0: Welcome to Bunta Vista, I am Andrew and I'm stuck at the top of a ferris wheel. I'm going to be honest with you, it stinks! It's winter time, I thought, hey, uh, how long could a ferris wheel ride take? Then I got up here, all the power went out, across the whole theme park. Sitting right next to me, starting to shiver because he refuses to go anywhere in long pants and he's only wearing very short shorts, Uh, it's my friend Ben.
1: I don't know if I'd say it's like a refusal. Uh, it's more that I don't
0: own long pants. Uh, well, which which in its own way is commitment to a lifestyle? Uh, sort of. I mean, I have the bottom half of a suit.
1: Okay. But I'm simply not going to wear a sort of powder blue skinny leg slack
0: uh, to an amusement park.
2: Why not? It sounds um, sick.
0: Don't don't believe in dressing up. Is that the problem? Um, I remember back in the 50s, everyone treated going to an amusement park as, you know, a serious outing. All the fellas put on their nice hats and a suit. All the ladies, their finest of a bonnet and fascinator. And we all it. went out to ride the vomit comet together. <laughs> Line up for the Tower
1: of Terror. Everyone has their briefcase with them. Uh, <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Hundreds exactly. of people dying when they were released <laughs> in midair, flying just, through <laughs> off a roller coaster. Photos,
3: photos going down Splash Mountain, and everyone's uh, reading a full newspaper, <laughs> <laughs> broadsheet, arms fully extended <laughs> <laughs> in either direction like an albatross. <laughs> uh. Not a phone in sight.
0: Uh, sitting opposite us, um, looking very bored of the Ferris wheel, it's Lucy.
2: I wouldn't be bored. This is my biggest fear. This is number one fear, is being stuck St- on stuck a Ferris up high wheel. Stuck something. anywhere where I may feel like I need to use the bathroom and Not, have no oh. way of doing so.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Nightmare. Uh, yeah, and sitting next to her and absolutely refusing to look over the side, uh, it's Theo.
2: God,
3: I, I don't like it. I don't like heights. I don't like being cold. Hey, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. Hey, it's okay. Just close your eyes and think about integrals.
3: Mm. <laughs> oh, that is calming, actually. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say. Put some matrices in there. Oh, you got yourself a good time.
0: <laughs> Why not simply close your eyes and summon the image of a perfect circle, a perfect sphere, if you will?
3: Uh, well, I mean, I think you'll find all circles are perfect. Well, in my definition. eyes, at least.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and while we're stuck up here, I guess we better find something to talk about, you know? Uh, we could talk about how, say, uh, Labour is, is the greatest political party of our time. Mm. So full of, of just commitment to principle, uh, bold new ideas, not being super racist for the votes, and all that kind of thing. Would I be correct in thinking that, Theo?
3: Well, who else are you going to vote for? The Greens.
0: Oh, great point. Great. Look, point. they
3: they can't form government because because uh, I don't vote for them, and <laughs> I don't vote for them because they. Yep, and so on. And I think you'll find I've made a point here.
0: That's, that's it really is the that really is the electoral conundrum that people continue to bring up for the Greens, and it is the most frustrating shit in the world, isn't it? <laughs> they're like, well. They don't have enough seats to form government, so I won't vote for them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, not, instead- I'm not 100% clear on what the act of voting actually does, though, so I just stay out of that one. I tried oh. voting for them for 20 years, and when that didn't work... <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm going to try voting against them, see if that gets them in power. Yeah, it's been a... Um been a week another week of labor just being shitty and stupid and of course let's preface all of this with uh just let's let's imagine that a very pro-labor uh centrist boomer is listening to this show for some reason in which case i say welcome hello Uh, (laughs) hey hi
1: thanks it's lovely to have you here you piece of shit you son of a bitch i would just suggest that we have a lot of overlap
3: with you um you believe that um, good things are good, but they can't happen, um, and we would say uh, good things are good, but maybe they should happen, hmm. and somewhere in the middle we'll meet.
0: Uh, they should, but the problem is they can't. So. They can't
3: because I mean, who's so going to do them? You know, not not us. <laughs>
0: not I. <laughs> not I. Oh, <laughs> uh, so um, so yeah, this week. Uh, we had the announcement that i'm i'm s i am i am apologize in advance to this gentleman for the butchering that I am about to give to his name.
2: go on, uh, give it a go uh
0: Behrouz Bouchani? no that's, that's correct
1: that sounds okay. right
0: yeah you cool. nailed that okay cool um who is an an Iranian refugee who had been in um uh one of our horrible uh refugee camps for years. Um, and he'd also basically been documenting everything that was there and being the sort of journalistic eyes and ears of refugees in those camps for a lot of the time he was there. And there was an announcement this week that he had left, um, left Papua New Guinea to settle in New Zealand. Um, and I, I guess, like, for supporters of his, the general vibe could be kind of described as, like, bittersweet. It's sense, extremely bittersweet, isn't it? Yeah, in the sense that obviously everybody is very happy for him to no longer be in that hellhole, while also being just supremely ashamed of the way successive Australian governments and the two major parties in general have handled all of this policy. Um, and you might think to yourself, "Hey, hey, maybe this is a time for a bit of bit of like reflection, bit of reflection, a from- bit
3: of reconciliation for the man that uh, we put in." Yep. Prison for no crime and then didn't take him out.
0: Yep, for a long time. Um, but instead, uh, Christina Keneally, who is now uh, Labour's immigration shadow minister, spokesperson, whatever, um, put, out a, put out a statement, put out a tweet saying, Labor welcomes news. Uh, Beru's Bouchani has had the opportunity to depart Papua New Guinea. The opportunity The to opportunity depart. to depart. <laughs> Great My wording there fucking god uh, We look forward for Mr. Buchani Having the opportunity to permanently Resettle in a third country as soon As possible, wherever that may be
3: That is so fucking Dire
0: um, the, which As a qu-
3: statement that is
0: yeah, in my why, mind, this instantly. Why would you write
3: that down and go like, "Yep, that is a good thing for me to say"? Uh, that's that's hit all of the points. Um, as as Jr has kind of pointed out on on Twitter, who is this for? Who is so narrowly carved this worldview out that is like I'm a person that believes that this guy shouldn't be there, but also uh, that it was probably a good thing that we put him there in the first place. But it's also the LMP's fault that he was there for so long. Uh, but also we don't want him here. Who is that person? Yep. Who's the statement for?
0: Who's the person that says uh, this policy is good actually, but I don't want it to happen to anyone? It
1: is absolutely awful that we did this to him and I'm glad we're no longer doing it to him but we have to do it to him and we will continue doing it to everyone else and I hope this doesn't
0: continue but we will continue doing it. Yes, uh, it's very bad that this happened to you but it's good that we were the ones to do it. That's that's pretty much Labour's angle on this whole thing so let me let me hit you with some more of this statement here. Uh, this is the expanded uh, statement from Christina Keneally. Labor welcomes news by Bouchani, an Iranian refugee journalist and award-winning writer. I wonder what he won awards for writing about. Mm. Hmm. Let's not let's not dig into that. Christina uh, has had the opportunity to depart Papua New Guinea. We look forward for Mr. Bouchani, terrible, uh, having the opportunity to permanently resettle in a third country as soon as possible, wherever that may be. Um, which is very uh, like a great ministerial way of saying, you, you know, you, you don't, yeah, you, you don't, don't have to, go, to home, go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ! Yeah, just extremely wow. like, um, hey, look, as long as it's not here, you can go wherever the fuck you like. Labor has been calling on the third term Morrison government to resettle eligible refugees in PNG and Nauru for close to six years. In recent weeks, we have seen refugees in PNG and Nauru resettle in Canada under the country's community sponsorship program, thanks to the generous support of Canadian sponsors as well as Australians living there.
1: Oh, well, that's the we've done something good, haven't we? Yeah, well, take well done. A little to bit us. of credit
0: there. Take a little bit of credit for. I'm I'm assuming Australian activists in Canada begging the canadian government to let some of the people that australia is horribly mistreating into their country and it's like yeah that's a bit of that australian spirit that we all know and love says christina keneally the person who is is backing this policy refugees have been languishing in indefinite detention for six years because of peter dutton's sheer incompetence to negotiate practical and durable third country resettlement fucking hell it's what so a, weird, you know, who put cent- them there? Yeah, so weird.
2: How did they get there in the first place?
0: I think what fucking sucks about this, um, and, uh, and continuing on here, she, she says, Labor strongly supports the US refugee resettlement deal and encourages all refugees who have been offered resettlement under that deal to accept the offer. The Morrison government should open discussions with New Zealand, n- negotiate appropriate conditions similar to that of the US deal, and accept their longstanding offer to resettle eligible refugees. And like... The thing that kills me about this is, number one, obviously, the, the third country resettlement um, option is not a sustainable thing. If it was, they would be doing it, full stop. They would be settling people in other countries and saying, good, we got you the fuck out of here. Obviously, um, the conservative government has been trying to organize those those third party deals with like the the places that you wouldn't want to go and live <laughs> like like no, no offense to cambodia but uh but oh, yeah the idea oh no. of like yeah the only places that they've that they have negotiated deals with so far have been like cambodia a third world country where we're paying monstrous amounts of money to send people who have then just left that country and this is in keeping with the whole general tone of this policy which is look, whether you stay here or whether you get out and go to another place, we want it to be very clear that you are being punished. We want it to be very clear that you are getting the raw end of the deal worse than if you just had of stayed wherever you are and died. Um, but yeah, this idea that if Labour were in government, that they would be successfully negotiating all of these third party deals and that somehow every refugee who arrived in Australia would just be given like a nice packed lunch and a pat on the back and sent on their way to a, another nice place to live and everyone would magically be happy?
3: The thing the thing that's really weird about this statement to me though is the concept that um, a refugee having being recognised as a refugee, which in Australia you know, it takes a monstrous amount of time. In other places, it does not because um, they're actually, you know, not fucking monsters. But having being recognised as a refugee, you getting off of Prison Island is contingent on uh, geopolitical kind of dealings, right? On, like, someone being able to land a deal instead of us not putting them on Prison Island. Like... Well, maybe there's somewhere in between that they could that they could stay, like perhaps uh, you know uh, the the least populous kind of uh, continent on on Earth, apart from Antarctica. Perhaps maybe there's a spot for them that's not on Prison Island. In the meantime, like, and, and I mean to be perfectly clear, I'm entirely um, for uh, refugees being housed in Australia permanently, right? But their their statement is just bizarre like we had no choice because uh you know uh we couldn't find the right deal but but dutton had a choice they had a choice to get a deal and, and make it good and get you guys off of there. like fuck off just put them on australia that's that's the be all and end all of it right like it's just supremely strange strange to me that um under any circumstance these people should be held uh on an island at arm's length
0: and of course, the other part of this that's a very tired point that we're all sick of discussing is that they spend, like our government spends billions of dollars every year in running these detention centres, including when they're running the detention centres that don't have anyone in them. Uh-huh. Or, um, one, or one family, such as
3: Christmas Island, where we've spent uh, tens of millions of dollars to, to reopen and, and house these innocent folk.
1: Yeah, so we, we want to spend twenty-five million dollars to put some toddlers in detention because there's no other way that we could possibly. So what, have else dealt with we that problem. what else can we do? What else? What else is there to possibly do um, apart from uh, put
3: innocent people in detention?
0: Well, yeah. So we pay all the money to house people um, in these detention centers, to set them up, to run them, to have you know, quote unquote, medical staff, all that kind of thing. Um, but also they pay wild amounts of money like the Cambodia deal. The Cambodia deal they they literally just paid the Cambodian government money to take people. It wasn't a it wasn't a matter of like can we negotiate a, a deal by which we trade some people or any of those sorts of things like it was with America. It was literally just what if we gave you 60 million dollars? How many people would you take and they were like 10. You know, it, it, and it wound up being that the like, I, I'm pretty sure that now there are no people from that deal still remaining in Cambodia. So, we paid Cambodia, like, I can't remember the exact figures, but something like $60 million to house no refugees. That's just Out a of good the deal, baby. Out of you the gotta, deal.
2: gotta spend so money <laughs> to make money, you know?
0: That's yep. so, so true. Uh-huh. So, if you are one of these people who's like, yeah, but... People, you know, refugees come over here. They're not really refugees. They're illegal immigrants, and they're queue jumping, and they're coming over here and taking our, you know, taking our um, unemployment benefits and taking our social assistance and this sort of stuff. Even if that's what you believed, we would still spend way fucking less money on just, to just have doing them. that. We'd spend far less money, which of course all does a great job of coming back home to really nail the point that none of this is about doing the right thing or any of that sort of stuff. It always has been and always will be about making an example of and punishing people who come here and in what, you know, we've dog whistled to the electorate is the wrong way. And being the wrong kind of person too. Because as we all know, if you happen to be like, say, a South African uh, farmer or, or or French au pair or something like that, um, hey we we'll pull out all those stops to get you in there
1: hmm. well I mean it's not like a, a gotcha that you did there like those are two pretty in, uh, important cases because uh, the white South African farmers were being white genocided and if we mm. didn't do that the white race would be gone in a number of years uh, and I assume the French au pair was hot
0: yeah well so, kind of goes without saying doesn't it French yeah. babysitter Come on, yeah.
3: She's uh, seeking refuge from a large skunk uh, <laughs> Who, uh, who <laughs> is but a big pervert <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We're going to get a mad email now Just like the pervert skunk is one of our <laughs> most beloved <laughs> Of our major
1: exports <laughs> Cultural <actually. laughs> exports He was one of the signatories to the, the first declaration of democracy in France How dare you <laughs>
0: Um, So Christina chooses to wrap up this statement by saying It is clear Australia can have strong borders Without being weak on humanity
2: You didn't have to post this That's what I find baffling You didn't have to say anything
3: Yeah, you you did not have to just exhaustively define Why Labour's policy sucks on this uh, And how much of a monster you are You could have just like... um, Gone for a long lunch, Hmm.
2: done something Maybe. else. Yeah, I Talk can't to see your any children. scenario where this is going to make uh, Labor look good. It's just
0: me. Well, yeah, I just, I just don't like, like uh, Ben was saying about you know friend of the show Jay Hennessy. Who, who is this for? Who do they really think are people who are looking at this stuff and genuinely saying to themselves? That's the Labour Party I know and love Oh, Andrew,
3: I know who this is for And it is for the people that replied to Um, to baruza's response
0: Oh my god I guess, to say, um, hey You should be nicer to Christina She's doing you a favour here S-
3: So he, I think it's, it's safe to say that he has not responded well to this As a man who has been wrongfully imprisoned for six years Um, should, right? So he's, he's Come out and said "Uh, Such a ridiculous And unacceptable Statement by the Labour Party You exiled me to Manus And you have Supported this Exile policy for Years I don't need you To welcome Resettlement for Me in a third Country I'm in a third Country now Don't need you If you are honest Do something for Others who are Suffering in PNG And Nauru In my view Anyone who Supports this Barbaric policy Is criminal and Terrorist Such a shameful Statement by Labour Party So I feel like He's put a pretty Fine point on that
2: Get her Sweetie
3: Uh huh. Um, and the replies to this tweet are, I would say, eye watering. Uh, mm. oh. uh, hey, don't bite the hand that uh, feeds you while also imprisoning you for not committing a crime and f- also for being a refugee. Um, Whoa, hey, just, buddy.
1: I supported you. When
3: you seemed like an alright guy that we imprisoned Yeah, when you were were kind of railing against uh, the Liberal Party for doing this I was fully on board, Uh, you know, says a man wearing one of those fighting Tories elbow shirts (laughs) Uh, But to criticise the Labour Party for holding exactly all of the
1: same beliefs That's just simply too much I would go even further and say it's not even about not criticizing them, not thanking the Labor Party for not doing anything to get you out of the prison they put you in. Oh my God!
3: What what is he supposed to be thankful for? Fuck!
1: Like, and then you know,
3: I I feel like perhaps maybe it was because the statement was not uh, civil,
1: which again, oh, it's rude. Very important
2: to Labor supporters.
1: I get that you were in a fucking suicide camp for seven years, but please be nice.
0: Come on, Just, If you can't say
1: something nice, don't say
3: anything at all. I I think.
0: Now it should be noted here that Christina Ken- Keneally is following a a very well trodden path here for uh, labor, fed- like federal labor politicians, um, which is that she was the former premier of New South Wales. She's now a senator uh, and deputy leader of the opposition. Um, she was very vocal about refugees Right up until she entered federal politics Wow what so a weird. Isn't, it, isn't it weird All of these people What that a get strange elected, pattern Yeah you know, all these people who get elected for the Labour Party On this platform of like Hey I'm a staunch advocate for, for refugee rights and everything um, and I'm going to get in there and make a difference. And then they get voted in and locked into like a six-year term like Christina here, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, they're just like, well, it's the party position, so what are you going to do? Or, in Christina's case specifically, becoming the shadow immigration spokesperson and choosing to take the angle of, I've got an idea, let's try to wedge uh, the Liberal Party on who can be more cruel to refugees, who can be harder on, who can who can have a an even stronger, strong borders policy. And I was extremely dismayed to see something else that she put a release out about the other day, uh, which was, she's posted a a series of things on Twitter saying, breaking, the Australian Senate successfully passed my order for the production of documents about airplane people and the public's right to know. Mm Mm-hmm. This means Peter it. Dutton will have to release monthly statistics about airplane arrivals seeking asylum. Um, and she then goes on to say, 100,000 people, that's how many people have arrived in Australia by plane and claimed asylum under the Liberals, double the number of people who arrived by boat under Labour, and it's all part of a border crisis that's unfolded on Peter Dutton's watch. Now, this is a thing that people used to talk about in a, in a different context, which was when, when like a lot of the boat people stuff was at its most feverish pitch in Australian media, particularly at times in you know, elections between Labour and the Liberals, a lot of people would kind of make the point of, hey, when you look at our immigration numbers, the number of people who actually arrive by boat and apply for asylum are actually a really small minority of this. So it's weird that we're like psychotically focused on this as a country. Um, And the idea that, you know, people arriving by boat specifically is some sort of a, a very, very big, horrible impact on our border security or whatever is kind of strange when you consider that actually many more people arrive by plane and immediately claim asylum, like in the airport, or people who arrive by plane and then overstay their visa and just don't leave or whatever. But of course, people were making that comparison in the context of... It's weird to be so focused on the boat stuff when it's actually such a tiny minority of of people who immigrate here for, you know, different reasons and, and claim asylum. So instead, Christina has decided to try and turn this into a, ah, you are actually failing because there are so many people applying for asylum in Australia who aren't arriving by boat and you're not doing anything about them. You're not punishing those people like we do to people who arrive by boat and i was particularly disgusted by seeing her use the phrase in this first statement airplane people that Disgusting. made me fucking furious because mm. as anybody who's followed australian politics for any stretch of time knows the term boat people has become synonymous for depending on you know which which way you lean politics-wise, it's either become synonymous with asylum seekers or illegal immigrants. Just you know? just
2: subhumans, essentially, I feel is the undertone.
0: Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because the thing you're saying isn't, it's not about whether or not people are arriving illegally. It's not about whether or not people are applying for asylum. You are, the only way in which you care to associate these people with anything is the mode of transport. By which they arrived and to see her trying to make a new one of these to sit alongside boat people It's fucking disgusting
2: Pretty gross
3: I looked at the uh, election results and they said What we need is a new kind of racism <laughs>
2: All new We've got to invent our racism. own make a unique mm-hmm. labor angle on the racism this
3: is the labor racism it's not like your uh, it's not like your lmp racism which is very very simple and and insidious this is a this is a kind of complex racism that you can really get some get some good uh you know palate some back palette kind of flavors from
0: and of course um, labor being labor they would love to try and have it both ways here so she continues on Um, when you break down the Morrison government's numbers between 1st of July this year and 31st of August, 65 people per day have arrived in Australia and claimed asylum, uh, with the numbers blowing out of control year on year or being swamped, swamped by them. God, this is a border crisis of the liberal national government's own making. Um, 85% are not genuine refugees. She says, But because of the Department of Home Affairs' go-slow processing of asylum claims, they can remain in Australia for four or five years with work rights.
2: Oh, no. What will happen?
0: Well, she says, to put simply, it's a work scam with trafficked people being exploited.
2: Oh, come on.
0: Just last week, the project spoke to some of the 100,000 people who arrived in Australia as part of this work scam run by criminal syndicates. Uh, some paid $2,350 just to gain a job in Australia. And the report that they're talking about says uh, the fruit and vegetables in your kitchen might have been picked by an illegal worker. And Victoria's farmers say the only way to get their project, uh, their produce to you is to work with them. Which for starters sounds a lot like the whole, the only way to run a restaurant is by uh, pl- paying slave wages. Mm. But, it's
2: just terrible. I feel like, uh, obviously, we should punish the victims of these crimes.
0: Well, yeah, I love that the, the thing that she's angling for here, of course, that there's no, there's no clear expression of like, hey, these people are being exploited and what we should do is actually open up the channels by which people could arrive in Australia legitimately and seek work and resettle here. Instead, it's just hey, there's all these illegals coming here illegally and liberals aren't doing anything about the border crisis of all the illegals that's out of control and maybe a dirty illegal immigrant picked your fruit and they're being exploited. And we want to help them by dot, 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 dot. Making sure they never gain entry to the country in the first place? Is that how we help them?
3: It's you're you're one hundred percent right in that they absolutely want this always at once. They're trying to somehow outflank themselves on the left and the right at the same
0: time. Yes, absolutely. A very classic,
3: confusing maneuver. Classic, classic labor, labor areas policy. of
0: let's try to be all things to all people, make everybody happy, and somehow wind up pissing off. Everybody in the process.
2: Mm-hmm. We love refugees, unless you don't like them, in which case we also don't like them.
0: <laughs> you just let us know.
2: Let us know. We'll get back to you.
0: Well, you, yeah. Uh, miniature American flags for some. Emotions mm-hmm. mm-hmm. for <laughs> others. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just so frustrating to look at because I know we keep coming back to the same point, but again, who is this for? Who looks at this and says... Got it. Great. It's perfect. This is exactly what I wanted to see. I'm going to assume like, it's the exact average of a few focus groups. That's what they laid it out. Like, yeah, uh, some of, some of the people in there said, point well, right I there am in the concerned. Middle. Some of the people said, I am concerned about illegal immigrants coming here and taking work. And some of them said, well, I'm concerned about workers being exploited and mistreatment of asylum seekers. And they went, let's find that sweet spot right in the middle, baby. Hole in one shooting from downtown um and yeah i just i just cannot understand because if there is one thing that we've seen over and over again in recent elections uh here and with the democrats in america it's th- this idea that you can try to like out racist the conservative party in your country on border policy while also making these little overtures to human rights for your own voters the only thing that winds up happening is that people who are your traditional voting base look at you and say wow this is really shit," and i'm very disillusioned about you and even if i do vote for you i'm going to do it very begrudgingly and because i don't think there's many other options and everybody else will look for another option And anybody on the right wing was never going to vote for you anyway.
2: God, how many begrudging Labor votes do you think there was in this last election?
0: Most of them. I know I certainly did one. I guess. No, it must have been all those people out there who were fucking psyched to vote for Chloe Shorten's husband.
2: Oh, God. (laughs) I forgot about that. It blocked it from my brain.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But also... It's like, don't try and be more racist than Peter Dutton He's been doing it a lot longer than he's you a pro. He's a pro And he's he's just gonna, like, come out with, like Every airplane arrival is smuggling a raccoon under their shirt And those raccoons are also gonna take your jobs And he'll just say that at a press conference And, like, 70-80% to 80% of his base will believe him uh, And then that will be the new problem, right? Mm. Like, you can't... You can't find this sweet spot Because they will just move the window to the right Yeah, that's the They will uh, just the take that thing. from you Because you've carried it so far for them, right? To say, oh, well, this is right in the centre Is where the Overton window belongs And then they're just going to go, thank you very much And pick that up and drag it to the right It's not going to help
0: Yep, and yeah, just as, as we've seen over and over again It just doesn't work like if you let them set the terms of engagement on particular things and say okay we're going to try and compete in this your specific area this is where labor just keeps falling down pants around ankles over and over again is either trying to show themselves to be you know the the low taxing party who supports small businesses and or the the party that's going to be tough on borders and all that sort of shit is that people who are actually from the the working class demographics that that party is supposed to exist on behalf of say great so no interest in like actually helping me in any way shape or form and the the people who were going to vote for the liberals just look at them and say you guys are fake you're fucking fake and i don't believe in any of this and like also i absolutely hate your guts so i'm never going to vote for you anyway so, yeah, just hugely disappointing stuff from the Labour Party. Um, no, no indication of any of this changing anytime soon, which is very cool, I think we can all agree. Um, but, hey, what's, what's the solution? What's the solution going to be from Peter Dutton? Is it going to be, oh, okay, in that case, I'm going to get um, Home Affairs Gestapo squads to board each plane in the airport before people disembark? And check everybody out, and then if anybody there, um, is there illegally, we'll keep them on the plane and force the plane to fly to another country, uh, like we do with boat turnbacks. Should we have plane turnbacks too? Is is that what the fucking solution is going to be here for Christina? Who knows. Uh, but in order to hear another story about illegal arrivals on planes, nice. Thank you. Uh, it's time for this segment. Uh, This is your captain speaking. Please return your seats to their upright positions as we are coming in hot on another edition of Plainly Speaking. That was
2: a a smooth intro. I liked it.
0: Thank you. I'm hearing reports about somebody on a plane who wasn't meant to be there.
2: That is uh, certainly what happened. This is uh, from the New York Times. I chose this one because it had uh, the most extremely New York Times headline. His... (laughs) 22-pound cat was too fat to fly. So he called in an understudy. (laughs) Uh, So good. It's a a real feel-good story we've got here. A man who tricked his way into getting his overweight cat into the passenger cabin of a plane has been penalized by a Russian airline. Firstly, I don't know why he got to take his cat in the passenger cabin, but I like it. I respect it. I guess you can just have a support animal. There's always these support animal stories in America. You can just say that something's your support animal here and bring it anywhere. It's incredible. Um, So, Aeroflot, which I believe is Russian for plane flight.
0: Floating plane. (laughs) Float
2: plane. Stripped the passenger, Mikhail Garland, of his air miles, rude, and removed him from their frequent flyer program after he bragged on social media about sneaking his hefty pet on board by switching him for a lighter cat during (laughs) (laughs) check-in. When airline employees told Mr. Garland that his 22-pound cat, Victor, nice cat name, was simply too heavy to fly in the passenger cabin on a flight to Vladivostok in eastern Russia, he devised a plan to ensure His kitty did not wind up in the cargo hold. He said in a post on Facebook that he delayed his flight and used air miles to secure a business class seat for himself and Victor. After asking friends for help, he then sourced a 15 pound feline called Phoebe, describing her as an understudy cat. (laughs) Uh, He presented the slimmer cat at check-in. She came under the airline's limit of 8 kilograms or about 17 pounds for animals flying in the passenger cabin and they approved for takeoff. Uh, unknown to Aeroflot and, his, and its staff, Mr. Garland swapped Phoebe for his real pet victor before boarding the plane.
3: What is the rule here? Like, <laughs> I
2: don't know. It's bizarre it's, because there's no, like, you don't have to put your weight when you're flying.
3: Do, do they have, like, one of those baggage signs out the front, but it has, like, a cat? you are going to weigh like, your cat on it. And then, like, eight kilos with a downwards arrow, uh, like...
2: Is this what's happening here? Do you have to put your cat on the scale? You just carry your cat up to the thing and just chuck him on the scale?
3: And get a little, little tag put on it, to say Wade.
2: <laughs> Anyways, this guy uh, w- uh, was unable to resist the temptation to capture the moment, took photographs and posted them on Facebook and Instagram. Rookie mistake. Uh, the cat. <laughs> documenting was, the crime. <laughs> documenting the crime. The cat was snapped in a pet carrier in front of a glass of what appears to be sparkling wine. <laughs> He was also shown being held up to the plane window with Aeroflot's branding clearly visible on the headrest. Those images eventually played a role in his downfall.
0: I would love to be there for when they sit this guy down and say, would you care to explain this picture?
2: (laughs) It's just the cat with like a glass of champagne.
0: Big fat cat with the Aeroflot logo right there.
2: So that is the story, but there is an amazing line in here. Uh, the story of the cat swap became so widespread in Russia that it was even mentioned on Wednesday in a daily call between President Vladimir Putin and Russian <laughs> journalists. Mr. Putin said that the Kremlin did not comment about cats. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's amazing. Incredible stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sad for this guy. He lost all his airplane miles for, you know, how much heavier could the cat have been? They say 17 pounds and he was 22 pounds. Ridiculous. A pound is like a... a it's barely eight, a kilo. Eight, it's barely a kilo or something like that.
0: I believe uh, <laughs> 2.2 pounds is a kilo.
2: Well, it's nothing. It's a 10 kilo cat. It's a big It's a big cat. And I think he cat.
3: deserves to be on, on the flight.
2: I think he deserves like... to be in business class. Good for him.
0: <laughs> uh, what a last flight though, you know. For that yeah
2: what a, what a way to go out with your aeroflot, miles.
0: He doesn't get to go anywhere else forever. Um, very concerning uh, stuff here, so like, like he's saying, um, before the second flight from Moscow, a fastidious employee weighed Victor and declared him too tubby. To continue to fly in the cabin. Rude. Uh, Who's then offered the chance to check the cabin to the hold. He said he engineered the swap because he feared Victor would be traumatized by such an experience and might not survive the eight-hour flight. Oh, um, well, <laughs> my God. And apparently, Aeroflot does have a terrible record with this kind of thing. Last year, a French bulldog named Coquito died after a flight attendant placed the animal in an overhead compartment. Oh, my goodness. On a United Airlines flight. Oh, that wasn't. Sorry. Apologies to Aeroflot. Wow. Wow. Uh, we are uh, going official to get sued by Aeroflot. <laughs> official apology of the show to Aeroflot. We're sorry. Um, and the same airline faced questions in 2017 when an apparently healthy giant rabbit died in the cargo hold. Oh what are you people doing with your pets? You don't have Just
2: to go. fly your giant rabbit, really, right?
1: No, you don't. What are you going to do? Take it there by boat?
0: My big support rabbit on a cruise? <laughs> that sounds like a great movie. <laughs> It's all Wes Anderson-type shit. Oh, dear. He explained the cat's unusual size was because of its breed, though he did not specify which one. Uh, he added that he had asked the person sitting next to him if they had any allergies. Well, oh, that's, very, well that's
2: fine. That's nice.
0: Very considerate. Um, Yeah, I, I don't feel like a 10-kilo cat is really going to, you know, require an extra barrel of fuel into the plane or anything.
3: Also, I feel like...
0: There should be as
3: many pets as possible on planes. I really mm. feel like we're going the wrong way with this policy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, air, so, f- air travel sucks, right? Like, you, want some, you want some Doolittle Airlines type shit. Oh, <laughs> that
2: would be amazing. Just a dog plane.
0: <laughs> yeah, goat. Why not?
2: Or well, like don't on those pictures about. of, I don't know what country it is, one of the Arab countries where everyone's got like a, their falcon.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> in, I, the, in
2: the plane. I love it. <laughs>
3: I absolutely saw multiple yes. falcons oh, yes. um at uh Abu Dhabi in my in a little stop over there. Just people just walking straight. Just through with their the air.
2: falcons. Amazing. Just with their
3: falcons. It's incredible. We're Were they wearing the little hats? We're like on on baby shit here. We've really got to get to the Falcon on a plane. They were wearing little little uh little goggles, hats they can't see. Keep them nice and calm. Uh you don't want to put Falcon one of them on me it. every now and
0: then. Yeah. Just
2: Google Falcon plane, and I'd t- you're going to be happy with what you see. You're going to yeah, enjoy yourself.
0: Will
1: receive pictures of the F-16 Fighting Falcon.
0: <laughs> I need a. I need one of those. So that I googled I Falcon
1: it. on a plane because I anticipated that that might happen.
0: Mm.
2: Nice.
0: I uh, I need one of those little helmets so that when I see like a really stupid post online, I can just sit back at my desk and just put it on over my own head. <laughs> Black, black everything out just relax for a minute you know I'm
3: pretty certain Silicon Valley has some sort of solution for you
0: well speaking of solutions uh, we mm. do love to provide solutions to people's problems leading to our next segment it's paging Dr. Lucy <laughs> If this is your first time listening to the show and um, hearing the fart-based paging Doctor Lucy theme, welcome aboard. Uh, paging Doctor Lucy is, of course, the segment in which we delve into some of the worst parts of the internet as people ask for advice on particular subjects, and we get Lucy to um, to give her to render her advice about relationships and such. As I
2: as I am an expert, That's as true. a married person now. I believe right. I can give unsolicited advice.
0: So this is from a subreddit which um, is is pretty new to me, which is obviously a variation on Am I the asshole?" Is this um, the
2: same one, or is this a different one
0: this is This is from Am I the Buttface
2: mm. so uh, they haven't just is, renamed it to be polite.
0: No, this is
1: like the wholesome version of am I the Arshole yeah. Uh, where people are supportive and provide actual answers, mm. I think is how they frame themselves. Oh,
3: okay. Is, uh, is for the this is the for the same audience of the people that buy um, books that have swears in the titles, but also the swears are censored out so that you don't have to look mm-hmm. directly
1: at a swear word. Oh man, I loved sort <laughs> your h uh, hash
0: c k i n apostrophe life out. It was a wonderful book. Um. So yeah, I, I I think that am I the buttface is like the PG thirteen uh, extension of am I the asshole, which in and of itself seems to have sprung out of the uh, relationships subreddit or the relationship advice subreddit. Um, I think possibly because maybe it, maybe as a structure, people like it better when you are forced to preface your answer by just saying here is a here is a binary um, yes no other proclamation on this thing and then you can get into more detail but it i think it makes it easier for on each post they can just kind of tally those bananas and say according to this most of these people think you are in fact the butt face so um this one this one is kind of they kind of buried the lead on this one where the title was am i the butt face for breaking up with a guy for holding the door for me
2: certainly buried the lead that is a that is a clickbait headline
0: understatement of the year because you know i mean we would all see that and think to ourselves hey have we finally found
2: has feminism gone too far
0: yeah we finally found the mythical example of the woman who is mad at you for holding a door for her we finally
1: hit the fabled cousin's limit
0: yep um i do love saying that anytime that i've ever heard anybody say in real life oh People will get mad at you for holding a door for them. And I immediately say, please describe to me the times that this has happened to you. <laughs> uh, and weirdly enough, most people don't have an example. And I thought we'd really found one here. But instead, allow me to read to you this this Reddit post. Um, hey, that headline sounds bad, but there's more to the story. I just couldn't think of a title that encompassed all of it. Uh, 22 female. I dated this guy, 27-year-old male, for about a month, and he was a little odd. I noticed a few things about his behavior that, at least to me, were red flags. Probably, I think she's doing better than the average Reddit user.
2: She's said red flag already, so uh, that's good.
0: Yeah, just being able to proclaim these things to be red flags rather than asking if they are. He was super rude to wait staff. That should be it. That's the end of the date. That's
2: it. That's done. Like, break up. There's nothing more to say about it.
0: How do you get any further than that? Uh, We went out to dinner on more than one occasion, and every time he was just generally incredibly rude to waiters and waitresses. He never said anything outright mean, but he would be very short, blunt, and often condescending in his tone. He'd never look at them. He'd stare at me the entire time, or at the menu, hammer out his order in his weirdly authoritarian tone of voice, and then just hand the menu over without even a glance in their direction. Uh, he practically slapped a short waitress in the face with one once when he just blindly flung his menu in her direction. So, yeah, uh, this is Normal already, guy. Uh, already enough mm-hmm. reason to not date this dude. He had a very aggressive need to pay for everything. He always had to drive, even if it meant him driving an hour out of his way to pick me up and then 30 minutes back in the opposite direction wherever we went. It wasn't acceptable for me to even just meet him in town. This is in the rural Midwest. We lived in two separate tiny towns on opposite sides of a bigger city, which is where we pretty much always had dates. The straw that broke the camel's back for me was on our last date. We went to the movie theater and he was incredibly forceful about opening a door for me. (laughs) As in, he was speed walking, quite visibly speed walking, to make it to the door before me. But I still managed to beat him to it at a standard walking pace, and he literally shoved me out of his way so he could hold the door open for me.
1: Incredible! I think it's uh, it's not controversial to say that of all of the kinds of walking, speed walking is by far the funniest. Oh yeah, the good a good power mm, walk.
2: It's inherently funny.
1: Just like the yep. level of seriness, seriousness you have to have on your face to do it. And the act itself very funny. Uh,
0: I completely agree. I almost fell over. He shoved me that hard. Uh, he then proceeded to practically run me over to make it to the inner set of doors and open that for me too, and shoulder checked me in the process.
2: <laughs> oh my god!
0: <laughs> and here's here's where we really find out what's going on, folks. He was a pretty short guy. Mm-hmm. I'm five foot two, and he was maybe five four. He spent that entire movie pretty much pinning me down in my seat with my ass hanging off the edge so he could keep his arm over my shoulders.
2: Oh, sweetie.
0: (laughs) Short King. (laughs) It was obvious he was straining to sit as straight and tall as he could to get his arm across. I sat through that entire movie barely even in a seat. I was slouched so low with my neck and head craned forward because of his arm that no matter how much I tried to shove off or wiggle away from, he would just not move. If I managed to get him off within 30 seconds, he'd be back at it. Hey, if I managed to get
1: someone off within 30 seconds, I imagine they'd come back to me as well. Oh, hey! Oh, way. But you have never managed it? I've never gotten anyone off, so... Uh no time frame of in thirty One seconds, day.
0: Surely, no, they probably have. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a wild world. I'm not going to proclaim anything like that. You know, stranger things have happened. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I went home, told him I had a nice time, but I didn't think it was going to work out, and then promptly never spoke to him again, <laughs> aside from a few short messages. Explaining that I just didn't feel any romantic feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought there were some pretty clear-cut red flags, but according to a few of my friends, I was being dramatic and petty for not going out with them anymore. They said he was just trying to be a gentleman. But in my eyes, if you have to literally push someone out of the way to be nice, you're not really being nice. And being rude to employees in the service industry is just trashy. You're right. True, I feel lady.
3: Like we're being... Probably a little harsh on this guy though, because he's clearly escaped from some sort of fifteen-year old boy imprisonment situation where all the only media he had to concern uh, to consume was like the first episode of Mad Men and like a two (laughs) thousand and four pickup artist book, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he's just he's just gotten out. uh, Instead of getting revenge, he's. Trying to live his best life and just mimicking, like, the movements just that Don somebody Draper. on a date should actually make, right?
2: He's 27. Like, this is how, this I just want gonna... I would
3: date when I was, like, 13 or 14, right? And this man
2: is 20, 27 years old. Mm-hmm.
3: And mm-hmm. still the same size. There's, mm-hmm. there's, so
0: <laughs> there's so many of these types of posts where, yeah, it's just the thing you kind of think to yourself is, like, how have you not got any better at this over time? I yeah,
3: believe like this they, one. They've learned about dating just through cultural osmosis.
0: I I keep getting an ad on YouTube. Um, I, I feel like I just sort of see the same like five ads in rotation just because I I skip everything. Or maybe this is one of those confirmation bias things where I get plenty of ads, but this is the only one that I notice because it fills me with a white hot rage. And it's um it's for like some type of pickup artist shit, Ugh. which which is like not a thing that you want to see advertised as a as a good idea product you know what you've been and every, watching andrew what know? you been watching i don't know what i'm watching to get this um i assume it's the the times that i watch like a clip of joe rogan talking to a martial artist that's got to be it right? yeah
2: probably, that's probably.
0: Just, although by all accounts you you can watch basically anything on youtube and have it go hey would you like to watch six thousand videos of ben shapiro are you interested
2: in white nationalism
0: yeah (laughs) just a dash to get you started you know (laughs) just a a little one yeah but uh but every one of these every one of these videos uh it's just the same ad every time i see it the first like 10 seconds that you can't skip is this guy walking up to women in the street as somebody else furtively videotapes him which is great women love that women love to be secretly videotaped um going up to women and walking up and going hi my name is Dave and holding out his hand to shake their hand whatever the fuck Mm. his name is and they go uh hi and he's like what's your name and they go Debbie or whatever and just clips of him over and over doing that and saying the most powerful uh, thing you can say to a woman is your name. Oh like God, this, like stuff it's this is so
2: embarrassing. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. it's a,
0: an amazing icebreaker to, like, just walk up and confront a stranger in the street. And there's just that whole strain of shit in pick-up artistry type stuff yeah. where they think it's, like... They think they're teaching you confidence, but what they're actually teaching you is to just go up and get in somebody's face and not let them get away from you for several minutes.
3: But there's also this weird element that's like, women are like a chicken and you need to draw a line away from their face three <laughs> times to <laughs> hypnotize them. And then they'll be
0: all over you. Well, I mean, it's, it's like, um, you know, so much of w- what you see spoken about with a lot of this sort of stuff is, um, you know, how, how much of how much of our society particularly is about socially conditioning women to just like go with it and not make a fuss and don't embarrass men and don't, you know, cause a scene and all that sort of shit that everything is always the onus is on a woman to be the accommodating one
1: yeah in any Mm.
0: given scenario and you can just see that playing out in these tiny clips of shit of just a guy going up and going hi i'm standing you know one meter in front of you now talking directly to your face in a public place and asking you a question and you can just see people
2: this happens by the way like very often this has happened to me many times
0: what people just coming up and going hi my name is this yeah where it's
2: clear that these guys have like you know heard something or read something from one of these pickup artist things and just like coming up to you in public places and just being annoying in a way that you have to be polite because they're not you know you just try to politely get out of the scenario and this happens all the time
0: please don't do this you just wonder like how how many of these times does some young woman go? Yeah, I'll tell you my name because you're hassling me about it in front of, you know, a bunch of strangers mm-hmm. because we're we're just standing here. And if, if somebody keeps, like, you know, subtly making moves to stop you from walking away from them and all that sort of thing, I wonder how many people just essentially get very publicly pressed into giving someone their phone number and then the guy walks away going, I did it, I hypnotized the chicken.
3: Yeah, and, like, so much of it is just this, like, Logic puzzle for them to be like, if we can say the right thing, it'll trick them into going out with us. Like, you know, if a woman gives you their number, make sure to call it straight away.
2: And I'm not fucking sure she gives you the wrong number. number. What are you gonna do, like yell at her or something?
3: Yeah. Oh, I noticed that you gave me the wrong number because you're not interested in Mm, me. Can you uh, give me the right number? It
1: seems like like you hate me. I
0: really want to make sure that I do see you again. Yeah, I I wanted want to check that you're a details-oriented man. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just this thing of, like, if a woman <laughs> gives you a number and you think... I, I've seen that shit, like, float by on Twitter and stuff before of, like, if you think a woman's giving you the fake mm. number, call it immediately. Like, and,
3: she's just going to be like, oh, yeah, no, I agree. Trust but verify. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and yeah, like like we're all saying, what do we think what do we think is, is going to happen here? That the woman's gonna go, Ah oh, fuck, you got me. You solved one of my riddles three You're and so now clever. I have to have intercourse with you tonight. You
2: are a done draper to me.
0: Yes. Now now I must have begrudging sex with you. The, mm, best, the kind. best kind. The best kind. Yeah, just just terrible shit. And like mm. the thing that the thing that you know sort of flummoxes me about all this sort of stuff is there are just in the same way that you know before shit like tinder people used to meet each other and go out on dates and stuff like that there are like normal non-psychotic ways of speaking to other people in public but they generally have to be kind of something that has come up naturally like you know you and someone else are in the Mm. the same part of like a grocery store or like in a queue waiting for something and a conversation naturally happens about yeah. some other thing that's, that's taking just place.
2: Lost on these guys though. It's to them it's just you can't speak to women anymore. You're not allowed to speak to women or you're sexually assaulting them. That's just the way they interpret these things. Yeah. I mean oh. like
3: what you what should be happening is you go up to you know, you're waiting for the show to start at a you know at a concert or what have you and you talk to the person next to you. But what they take that to mean is uh, if you see a woman at the gym on the treadmill, what you want to do is walk straight over to the treadmill, hit the stop button so that she's immediately flung off of the end, and then while she's recovering, <laughs> she'll be open to your kind of masculine uh, pressures.
0: If she has headphones in, try talking louder. Yeah, try pulling them out. Yeah. Just
3: pull yank them out.
2: Straight, Just make sure she can hear confidence.
0: Yeah, I, f- I feel like a lot of this comes down to those, like, complete misinterpretations mis- uh, of, of things like... You know, when people say things like, ah, oh, women, women want a guy to be assertive or to be confident. And that doesn't mean come this, up and hassle me while I'm this. clearly doing something. You know, I'm reading a book somewhere in solace. What I would love is for you to come up and interrupt me and talk to me about the book or whatever.
1: Hey, what's that you got there? Is it a book
0: or something? <laughs>
1: I hey, love those. Hey.
0: You like a words, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Are you, uh, you studying for a test or something? You got one of those Harry Potters?
2: <laughs> Why is he a loud New York man?
1: Uh, that's the most confident person I can imagine
2: I like what? it, I think I'm into it
1: <laughs> going to take this guy
2: Ah jeez, bada bing, bada boom
1: oh, <laughs> You wanna no, just... go with me and get a sandwich sometime? It'll be great
0: <laughs> I don't know, are, are there really this many people who just genuinely have... Absolutely no frame of reference for how to just have a conversation with someone. Yes. Yes, especially
2: yeah. with women. I think it sucks because a lot of these guys are young and impressionable. They don't know how to speak to girls and they look in the wrong places when really all you need to do is to uh, treat women as people.
0: Well, I guess the, the like problem what? is... Like what? Treat them like... Wh- <laughs> Baffling. No.
2: Mm-hmm. Huh? You no. mean like men?
0: <laughs> oh, you mean, you mean, uh, you mean? It's good to have a girl who's just like one of the guys. Got it. Just one mm, of the boys. That's it's like right. she's cool. Just a tomboy. A tomboy. Um. Yeah. I guess. I guess. What's kind of difficult about this sort of stuff is that, kind kind of similar to the way that people get drawn into like white nationalism type stuff, where it's when there are a whole bunch of loud voices about particular things, those are the ones that people wind up hearing. Mm. And in this case, if if somebody's like, yeah, I really just don't know how to like meet girls or or talk to women or any of that sort of stuff, what, what, what I think actually enables somebody the best to meet other people and have normal conversations and get along with people and that sort of stuff is exactly what what you're talking about theo which is just treat other people like humans and normal people and just talk to them without artifice and without you trying to get something out of them and if there is some some natural attraction there that will emerge and be obvious to you and hopefully well, one of you will be brave enough to act on it you just know? try, also try stop making to fuck your friends
2: yeah, yeah i was it. gonna say try to make one female friend first but, mm, but those two it. things both of those things
0: but but yeah, in in turn, the problem is that what we're talking about there is essentially an absence of a very like a different way to approach women. Uh, it's just saying just just treat people normally, uh, mm. just just treat people like you would treat anyone. Whereas there isn't there isn't really a way to package and sell that as a solution to someone who thinks that they have a very specific problem about talking to and communicating with the opposite sex. Uh, so when they do go looking for. I don't know how to talk to or get a date or... You're going to come up with, with the or...
2: worst the worst Google results.
0: Yeah. Instead, you come up with all of the stuff that has been very specifically crafted to, to answer those questions. And unfortunately, it is the worst shit on the planet.
2: And then you become this guy. And this is the exact guy who is online saying that a woman once yelled at him for holding the door open. When really, yeah, she all... was like, why are you being so fucking weird about this?
0: I was being a gentleman... And she didn't even say thank you, uh, he says, referring to the woman who's, like, trying to to brush off her skinned knees out the front <laughs> of the theatre.
1: And now... a ho- uh, Hole in her dress. <laughs> 2,000 posts later in the Modern Chivalry Forum, uh, they've raised $3,500 for this guy uh,
0: in a GoFundMe. <laughs> We're going to get you that shin extension, Sir King. <laughs> oh, Jesus. oh Aww. Aww. <sighs> Well... That's it for us, folks. Um, don't forget to write a letter in to uh, opposition Deputy Opposition Leader Christian Keneally and say, hey, uh, please stop doing that. Just cut it out. Please, entirely. Just quit it. Just be normal. Just, be n- just, just say normal things. <laughs> just be normal and nice. Come on. Uh, and of course, if you would like an extra episode of the podcast every week, you can head over to slash bunta vista and sign up, uh, get yourself an extra hour of this jazz. You can also join the Bunte Vista Discord and chat with like-minded people about things like uh, microwaving fish in the microwave in the office if you're mm-hmm. some sort of psychotic criminal.
2: Ah, the microwave fish section of the Discord. Yes. I'm a frequent reader
0: that's it uh, you can also if you want to if you want to drop us a line you can write into mailbag at punta if you've got a question for the show a comment a little story you'd like to tell a bit of feedback a bit of encouragement we love it all frankly uh, and if you would like to leave a message that we may well play on the show and answer your question your comment your story your whatever Australian listeners can ring in on 1-800-317-515 And American listeners can call in on 732-876-3446. And with that, that'll do us for the week. Uh, Ben, do you have any parting thoughts for the good people of Australia entering the hot month of summer? Oh. Uh,
1: Yeah. Make sure to pre-batch yourself uh, some treats in the fridge. Uh, You know, sometimes it's hard to to think ahead, but... You can make up a big thing of iced tea, a big thing of iced coffee, you can make those at home, just chuck them in a big, big jug with some ice cubes in the fridge, and then you'll be like, fuck, it's hot. Oh, that thing that I did earlier, it's paying off in spades. Mm. Keep your ice cubes stocked, you know? Oh, make sure that tray is full. Don't be a dickhead. If you take like a chunk of them out, just fill it up. It's not hard.
0: This is for you and the people around you. Uh, wife of the show, my wife, Eleanor, got me, uh, just like a little $2 treat from the shops, a little silicone tray of like, uh, for making great big ice cubes. Oh, those big cubes. I love those big oh, cubes. Oh, absolute mm. treat. Great for an iced coffee.
2: Great for uh, a whiskey.
0: Great, a great Big for old a ice for cube for a tall, in there. frosty oh, so beverage. Keep your ice situation under check, you know?
2: Keep it under check. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So that's our hot weather advice to you, and we'll see you next week. Uh, how the fuck are we going to get down from this Ferris wheel? Hey, I'm just enjoying hanging out with you guys. Hmm. Yeah, Can I on. have a little snooze. Nice. It seems like people down there are starting to get violent, and I'm a little concerned. <laughs> but we're safe up here. It seems like we're the power has gone until, out everywhere. <laughs> we're safe up here until, until we get hungry enough and we need to eat the smallest, weakest person.
2: That is definitely who I would choose to eat in a survival situation.
1: You definitely wouldn't choose, say, the person who has the highest body fat percentage and arguably the least
0: skills. So, no one look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, see you next week, folks, when we may or may not be down one host and with great big full bellies. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.